What do you say? Who do you know? How do you know them? Where'd you meet them? What do they do for a living? How badly do they want to kill Batman and a bag of macaroni? Would you look at that? The Detroit Red Wings won a hockey game. How about that? The Detroit Red Wings won a hockey game after dropping six straight. The fellows in red come back home to Detroit to hockey town, as it were. And they beat the divisional rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that's given us nothing but fits. Really, since Steve Eiserman got to Detroit. Obviously, before that, when Steve Eiserman was still pulling the strings in Tampa. And we've had their number this year. We've played them twice. We beat them twice. First one a little closer than the second. But a win is a win. We're off the schneid, at least technically. We'll see how long this lasts. We'll see if we're truly off the schneid. But a win is a win. And God damn it, did the Red Wings need it. God damn it, did the Red Wings need it. It's... We were getting to scary hours, guys. If you listen to the podcast last week, and maybe even by the week before that too, I can't remember when I really started to eyeball the alarm where I was starting to eye fuck that thing. Like, I know when you pull it, it shoots paint all over your hand so everybody knows you pulled it, but I'm seriously starting to think about pulling that thing. I can't remember when exactly I started having these dark, sadistic thoughts, but I do know I had them last week. I do know I had him yesterday. I do know I still kind of have him. I still, I'm not staring dead at the alarm right now, but I know exactly where it is. I know how many paces away. I know that I can get to that alarm and pull it in 2.6 seconds if I have to, if we lose a few more. I understand all of the dimensions of the room I'm in and the exact precise angle I need to take to get to that alarm in the fewest number of steps. Not looking at it. I know where it is, though. They got one, right? You lose six in a row. Hey, they got one. It's not like we're throwing a parade today. This podcast, I mean, we're not going to only talk the Red Wings, but the Red Wings segment, it's not going to be lollipops and rainbows. No, no, no. Mm -mm. The boys have dug themselves a bit of a hole, Um, undoubtedly. The boys have dug dug themselves a bit of a hole. They've needed to win the last, like, three games. Yeah. It's great. They got one tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's awesome. Guys, We've it's been like win the fucking game for the last three, and they lost the others. I'm not throwing a party. I'm not celebrating. Great. We're fourth in the Atlantic. We're not in a wild card spot anymore. couple places removed, as a matter of fact. Penguin or uh, Rangers, Islanders, and the Caps. The Sabres are right on our ass. The Panthers are right on our ass. The Canadians are right on our ass. And the Sens aren't too far behind them. We're not throwing a parade. It is still early, and I addressed that, right? When I was making love last week to the alarm, I addressed that, that it is early. We're 32 games in now. Plenty of time, just as easy, just as easily as we lost six. This team could go rip six wins off in a row, and we could be celebrating, and we're back. This is the year we are going to make the playoffs. It's all coming together a little earlier than expected. This is great. The rookies, Larkin's cooking once more. Lucas Raymond's finding his stride. That could easily happen too. I'm not ruling that out by any means. Not in the game of hockey, not the Detroit Red Wings. But no, 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 no. No, you got the wrong fucking guy if you think that's what I'm going to do. But I don't feel great. Now, I got to be honest with you guys. I've talked on here before about how much I love the Red Wings, something about them. The last couple games, I haven't been the most locked in. I, I, I don't speak for everyone here. I'm sure there are Wings fans out there more dedicated than I. 
that have kind of suffered through the pain of this losing streak. I suffered through the first three or four. Last couple, the game tonight against Tampa, didn't watch a second of it. You lose six in a row, you got to get me back a little bit. I got other shit going on. As you're listening to this, I'm probably on a plane back to Detroit. I got to do my laundry. I got to pack my shit. I got to clean. I got to throw stuff in my fridge away. I, um, uh, I got to record this. We got, I got stuff going on. We got to hit the gym, stay in shape a little bit, right? The beers on the weekends, you got to cancel those out somehow. I can't be watching every single game a team that's on a six-game losing streak plays. I can't. You lose six in a row, you fall down on the priority list. You're right below doing the laundry. The laundry's done or in the process of getting done. My alarm may go off in the middle of this to remind me to go flip it. So excuse it if it does, but they lost, they lost my full attention and they still don't have it. Now I'm going to be back in Detroit tomorrow or today. As you're hearing this, I'm going to watch the senator's game Friday. Fuck it. Might even try and go to it. Oh, it's in Ottawa. God damn it. I'm going to watch the Sens Friday. I'm going to watch the Pens game that Wednesday. I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch all these games coming up. I'm going to be at home. I'm going to be on my parents' couch. You think I'm not going to watch the Red Wings? What the fuck else am I going to do? Of course I'm going to watch the Red Wings. I'm going to try and get down to a game, maybe the Devils on January 4th. We'll see. But as it stands right now, these guys got to do something here. And we have some winnable games. Senators, that's a team you have to beat. We didn't the last time they came to town. Pens, they're a good team. But, hey, you want to be in the playoffs? Eventually, sometime, you got to beat good teams. They did it tonight against Tampa. Do it again against Pittsburgh. The Sabres, another team. You got to beat them. And then the Sens again. You got to beat them. Devils are, are skidding right now as well. Beat those guys too. We have winnable games ahead, and we need we need to start cashing in on those. Plain and simple. It's not the end of the world. The sky is not falling just yet. There's plenty of time left in this season. But we got to win some games. And when what's really concerned me about that losing streak, a couple things. The goal scoring just dried up heavily. But, dude, our defense, man, like we give up some goals where I'm just sitting there going, guys, what are we doing? What are we doing on some of these plays? Philly Huso can't stand on his head every night. Yeah, he's done it a lot. And especially early on, he was playing out of his mind. I still think he's been good. We still gave up four to Tampa tonight. Thank God we put in seven. We still gave up four. That's not very sustainable. You can't be giving up a ton of goals and expect to win hockey games. That's not how it goes in this league. Derek Lalone, he knows that. The guys in the room, they know that. Philip Ronick, he's having a great year offensively. Let's keep the puck out of the net. Moritz Sider, Calder winner. We love him. He's going to be a great fucking player for the next decade in Detroit. Keep the puck out of the net. We've got more help on the way. We got guys, Ben Sherratt, keep the puck out of the net. I just, that's what kills me. It'd be one thing if we were losing games three to two. Fuck it, even four to three. It's like, ah, all right. And yeah, we scraped a point against the Caps, but keep the puck out of the fucking net, guys. Four goals, six goals, four goals. Like, it's tough to win. And then Dylan Larkin's out for a bit. Bertuzzi's out again. Vrana's still out. Fabry hasn't joined the team. We're down, guys. It's like I get Raymond's a talent. I get Bergeron's been awesome. I I get we have high hopes for Soderblom. These dudes are still 20, 21, 22. You can't expect them to put the world on their shoulders. You can't. And you definitely can't expect to do that and then see them deliver every single night. Much like letting in a ton of goals just isn't very sustainable for a hockey team. Not in the NHL, not in the Atlantic Division, not with the schedule we played and 
we still got a gauntlet ahead. We got to play a lot of more Toronto games, a lot more Florida games. We'll see Tampa again. We still got a ways to fucking go in this season against some good teams. It's good that they got one. They needed, they needed to get one. I felt like we needed this one, honestly, against the Wild a week back. The Sens, certainly after that, it was like, all right, bottom of the division, at home, this is the bounce back. You lose 6-3. to three. Caps on the road. The Caps are good. Ovi's chasing the record. Fuck it, dude. We need one, and they finally got it. They bled for a while, and they got one. I don't want to call the dogs off on this season by any means, and, and I don't think – I don't think we're in a, you know, I don't think it's the right time to do so. But what I said last week is still, what I was nervous about is still very much a concern of mine where you start losing games, they start snowballing. It's one, two, four, six. Steve Eiserman starts looking around going, all right, do we keep these guys together and try to sneak into a playoff spot? Or do I sell off? a couple pieces and fuck it. We'll regroup next year. We'll sign some more free agents and next year we'll really go for it. Those conversations are absolutely being had in Detroit. And like I addressed last week, I understand one of those is probably smarter as far as the future of the franchise and the success of this core. Like it probably makes more sense to sell at the deadline, recoup, take one more crack at the lottery and then next year, pedal to the metal, no more lotteries, no more draft picks. We're just trying to win fucking games. That probably makes the most sense. I will admit that. But I'm a fan. and I like it when my teams win. I like it when the Red Wings win. You watching the game. How much more fun is it when the Red Wings are the ones scoring the goals? When LCA is going crazy. When you hear the horn three times at the end of the game and there's stick tabs for Billy Huso. The fellas raising their sticks to the crowd to salute them. How much more fun is that than losing 6-3 to the Senators at home? I get that one is probably more beneficial than the other. I just want to win, dude. We All of the teams in the city have been losing since I was in high school. I'm 25. The last playoff series I watched from a Detroit team, I was a freshman in college. Let that sink in. I was a freshman in college, maybe a sophomore when we got steamrolled by the Bucks that Blake year. Did that count, though? I mean, fucking nobody thought we were even going to take a game. Forget the series. Nobody thought we were going to win a game. Prophecy came true. We got swept. Bucks went on like they didn't even notice we were there. I don't even know if Giannis broke a sweat in that series. I just want to win, dude. I've had enough of the rebuilds. And you could probably say the same exact shit about the Lions. Like, as great as this year's been and as fun as fun it is, as it is right now, and yes, obviously, I hope they make the playoffs, you could probably make the argument that, hey, you know, even if we do make the playoffs, we win out these last three, and we get into the playoffs, this isn't the Lions' year necessarily. We're not going to win the NFC North. The Vikings already have that clinched. I'm sure we would probably be the underdogs in whatever playoff game we're in, on the road against whoever. It probably would be more beneficial to the Lions to miss the playoffs this year, get a little bit better of a draft pick, I don't know, make some moves at the draft to acquire more picks, more young talent, whatever the case is. That probably makes the most sense as far as sustained success moving forward. But I don't fucking care about that anymore. 
We've been through seven years. The Lions, we've been through however many since 93, 30 years nearly of doing that. The Red Wings, it's been seven years of get rid of the guys at the deadline, harbor some picks, maybe make some moves, acquire a Jakob Vrana if you can, get in the Delkovich, get a Vili Huso, make some moves, and let's gear up. It's the rebuild, acquire young talent. It's been seven years of that. Maybe I'm an idiot for saying this. Maybe I'm an idiot for wanting to sacrifice a little bit of future success for one playoff appearance this year. That obviously, like the Red Wings aren't going to win the Cup. Even if this team gets into the playoffs, we're not winning the Stanley Cup. Again, we're probably not even winning a playoff series. But I just want that feeling. I want to be there. I want to get back to that point where my ass is clenched for 60 minutes of a hockey game. Yeah, fine. We're playing the Maple Leafs. Yeah, fine. They should probably beat us. I don't know. Hockey's a crazy fucking game. We got some guys too. I know the Leafs are nasty. Dylan Larkin's a good player. Mo Sider's a good player. Lucas Raymond's a good player. We got some fucking guys. You never know. I just want to get there. I want to hear what LCA sounds like for the first Red Wings playoff game at home. I want to see what Detroit looks like. I want to talk to my friends. I want to be forced into buying a flight home to go catch these guys play in a playoff series. You know, that's what I want. So, you know, forgive me if I don't, I'm not super concerned with having a draft pick that's eight slots better than if we sneak into the playoffs and lose immediately. We've done the rebuild. We've had our time at the bottom. We've been beaten. We've been bruised. We've taken a plenty more than our fair share of losses. I'm not thinking about what's best for the rebuild anymore. That's what's so frustrating about the Tigers. Tigers, Red Wings, very similar timetables as to when the rebuild started. The Tigers are somehow fucking going back into one. Don't know how that works. Don't know how the hell that happens, but they are. The Red Wings aren't doing that. We're on the up and up. Next year will be better, and the year after that will be better than that, and so on and so forth. But still, I don't need one more year of a little bit better draft picks, selling a guy or two at the deadline to maybe acquire a second-round pick. I don't need any more of that. I need a big game. I need to play for something. I need Detroit Red Wings hockey games in the month of April to mean something. I need to set a fucking appointment on my phone for Tuesday, April 22nd at 4 p.m. Pacific time to be in front of a television watching the Red Wings because we absolutely have to have these two points if we want to make the playoffs. That's what I want. I don't really care about getting rid of David Perron for the 53rd overall pick. Ah, doesn't do it for me. 2018, 2019, yeah, that did it for me. Yeah, I'd applaud that. I'd be happy about that. I'd be sitting here talking, going, that was a great move, Steve. That's going to help us out. Who knows? You strike a little lightning. I think Bergen was a second-round pick. That might turn into somebody who's going to play big minutes down the road. Yeah, we've gotten enough. We've had enough draft picks. We have some prospects up on the big club, and we have plenty more still in the system on their way. We've got cap space now. We can go. Yeah, we've been signing the the journeymen, the veterans like a Perron, like a Sherratt. We've got some cap space where now we can go have a little fun. We can go, hey, Steve, who's your favorite player on the market? Fucking go convince them to come play in Detroit. We have hit that stage. We are coming up on that frame of this core being the reality. I don't need to push it off for six more months. Let's fucking get into the playoffs now. 
Let's make something a little interesting now. I've had seven years of thinking about the future. I'm ready. I'm, I want to think about now. I want to think about this season. I want to think about Lucas Raymond getting a little playoff experience. Fuck, dude. I want to think about Dylan Larkin getting a little playoff experience. The last time he played in the playoffs, he was a rookie. That guy's our captain. He's been here eight years. He's played in one playoff series when he was like 20. Yeah, I'd like him to have a little more experience when it actually matters, when we actually have a good team around us and we're actually expected to make the playoffs and God forbid win a series. I'd like some of these guys to be able to look and go, you know what? We did this last year. Yeah, we lost, but we kind of know what to expect now. We know what it's going to look like. We know what it takes, or at least what we got to do differently to try and win one of these things. Give me that. Don't give me some guy who's going to be in Grand Rapids for three years and then might come up when somebody gets scratched in the middle of the season. I don't need more of those guys. We've got plenty of dudes on the way. We've got plenty of dudes in the system. We've got enough firepower where if Steve, you want to go get a primetime star and you want to trade some of the young capital, fucking do it. You want to use some of that money and go get the 33-year-old left wing? Go do it. That's what I want. When Patrick Kane comes available, I want the Red Wings to be in a position where it isn't weighing two different things. Do we keep tanking or do we go get this guy and try and fucking win? I want to be firmly in the part where we go to try fucking win. I want to get through this stage of thinking about possibly improving the future a little bit. I want to get through that. Got a long way to go. Doesn't look great right now. I don't feel great. I'm sure you can tell. I don't feel great about it right now. But fuck, man. It's like if they keep losing games or if now we we just lost six, we start trading games. The deadline's only getting closer and closer. Steve Eiserman's a smart guy. He's not going to try and force anything. He knows that, hey, if we do sneak in, that'd be great. Fan morale, sell some more tickets, all that shit. He knows it'd be great. Get these guys some experience. He's also not an idiot. He's also going to go, well, we're probably going to fucking lose immediately, so. May as well get a couple more picks while I still can. These guys got to start ripping some off. If they want Steve Eiserman to look at them and go, yeah, you know what? We're going to hang tight. We're going to hang tight and see what we can do. See how the season plays out. We got to win a couple fucking games. And a win against Tampa at home, that's always going to hit right. That's always going to make me feel good. I'm always going to get up for a dub against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Always. But we got to get more than that. We got to start stringing something together here. It can't just be one-off wins against pretty good teams and then dropping one to the Senators. Can't be beating the Pens and then dropping the next one to the Sabres. It can't be that. We got to start beating teams we should beat. And, hey, we can trade off the games against good teams. Got some winnable games coming up. They got off the Schneid tonight against Tampa. Let's see what these guys can do. Larkin's back. Fronix back in the lineup. Raymond kind of a little bit figuring it out. I don't know. Let's see what we can do. It's not – I. it's a fucking shame because, I don't know, two weeks ago I felt sky high about the Red Wings. Every, <clears throat> every time I talked about him on here it was like, hell yeah, dude. We're winning games. We lose a couple, but then we go win a couple. Dylan Larkin's dynamic. We're scoring goals. We're getting great goaltending. We're beating Tampa Bay. This is great. LCA is more live than it's ever been. This is awesome. This team might just sneak into the playoffs, or at least they're on pace to. And now, just a couple weeks later, right before the new year, it's ugh, the brakes have been put on. 
Good win tonight against Tampa. Need those, but we need more. Plain and simple. All right, let me take a quick break. We'll talk MSU hoops played tonight. Michigan hoops played tonight. U of M lost to UNC. State beat Oakland. Eh, you know, not super. Not a ton to talk about there. State beat Oakland. You should beat Oakland. Michigan lost to UNC. You're probably going to lose to UNC. Now, that fucking loser, Hunter Dickinson, running his mouth on the podcast about MSU <laughs> MSU academics just to go be the tallest guy at the Enterprise DC branch. That's pretty funny. And also playing like complete dog water and getting dominated by Baycott. That's pretty funny. But again, it's still early on. It's not quite hoop season yet. We've got football. Certainly Michigan does. We've got the Lions to worry about. I mean, that's the biggest fish to fry in all of Detroit, all of Michigan right now. Until New Year's Day or New Year's Eve when Michigan plays, fucking we're talking about the Detroit Lions. We've got games to win at Ford Field and abroad. So when, let me do a quick break. We'll talk about the uh, signing day for MSU. We'll talk a little bit about Michigan. I know some Michigan fans. I made a video today. I said, excuse me, I thought Michigan did a pretty good job, but there were some Michigan fans out there that would disagree. Didn't love the high school recruiting class. I think Michigan did a pretty good job. I know their high school class isn't top tier. I think it's in the top 20, like 16, something like that, which I guess if you're Michigan, you're probably expecting top 15, borderline top 10. Most years, but this NIL has flipped the script. We got teams like Oregon and Miami pulling outrageous fucking classes. A&M pulling guys. It's the nature of the beast these days. But I still think Michigan did a good job. And I mentioned it in the video, not because of the high school guys, but because of the transfer guys. Michigan knocked it out of the park on the transfer guys. And what's better than reloading with 18-year-olds who need to hit the weights, who need to eat 15 peanut butter jelly sandwiches a day, it's a lot better to hit with a 21-year-old who's already played college snaps, who's transferring because, hey, you know what, Nebraska, those guys stink. Let me go try and win something at Michigan. That's why I think Michigan did a pretty good job. And then State, I think they just did a good job all around. High school guys, the transfer window, addressing serious, serious areas of need at MSU, the offensive and the defensive line. I think that is really the pinnacle of our class. So we'll chat a little bit about that and then uh, probably call it a day here. Not a lot going on. I mean, like I said, it's the fucking Lions, baby. It's the fucking Lions. I don't know if I'll talk Lions today, maybe a couple minutes towards the end. But if you if you want to hear Lions, yesterday's episode, the Wednesday episode, all Lions. Ooh, and there goes the alarm. All Lions, 40 minutes of Lions. So check that out if you want just a full fucking balls deep Turkish bath of Detroit Lions talk. All right, quick break. We'll talk a little signing day. We'll start with Michigan. I mean, they got the Paul Bunyan. They're in the playoffs. The least we could do is start with their signing day. Like I said, a lot of Michigan fans not totally satisfied. They're sitting at 16th overall. I'm all according to 24-7. 16th overall in the country. Not bad. And transfer number one. That's pretty damn good. Number one in the portal. That's pretty fucking good. Um, I'm not going to focus as much on their high school class. It's good, dude. Michigan recruits well. I know it's only 16th. It is a little surprising that it is only 16th because they have 23 guys in the class. You look at MSUs, we're sitting at 23rd, but a lot of that is because we have 15 guys. If MSU was sitting at 23 with just nothing but three stars to fill those extra eight slots, we'd be sitting in the top 20. I'm absolutely positive of it. But look, Michigan, maybe not their most high-end talent-filled class that they've ever had. 
but they've got guys that are going to play there. They've got guys. Here's the beauty for them. They've got guys that don't need to play right away. There isn't going to be pressure on, oh, shit, you're a high four star. Oh, shit, you're a big time defensive end prospect. We're going to need you day fucking one because they've got guys ahead of them. And those guys got people ahead of them. I don't know who's all coming back for U of M. I'm not going to pretend to know. But not everybody's going to go to the league. Not everybody graduates. They'll have starters that are going to play against TCU on New Year's Eve that are going to be back in the Maize and Blue next year. So this high school class, I don't think it is as um, important that it be super top tier because, again, even if they were, even if this was a top 15, top 10 class in the country, how many of those guys are going to make an impact at day one? How many of those guys are going to see significant playing time next year? You've got a team that was in the college football playoff last year. They're in the playoff again this year, and they're going to be setting their sights on it once again next year. They're not so worried about what the 18-year-olds are going to bring in. They're worried about what the 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds are bringing in. This is the thing about Michigan's class that makes me as an MSU fan a little nervous. We already know Michigan's good. They could add nobody. They could bring in no one in this high school recruiting class, in this transfer class. They could bring in zero new bodies to Ann Arbor, and they'd be good again next year. They'd be a force. They'd probably be the favorite to win the Big Ten. They'd still have their sights set on the college football playoff, but they added the number one transfer class according to 24-7. Now, the other recruiting site on three, I think MSU is ranked number one, so I don't I don't fucking care about arguing back and forth. Oh, this is the real number one. doesn't fucking matter. Regardless, they got a great transfer class, and that's what makes me nervous because like I just said, in the portal, you can be a little more picky. In the portal, Jim Harbaugh knows who he has leaving. Jim Harbaugh knows what he has to replace. Jim Harbaugh, there's tape on these guys at the Division One level. Jack Tuttle, he's not going to come in and compete for JJ's job. He's going to make a fine fucking backup, though. And they've got freshmen, sophomores, who will be able to do the job as well. They've got a couple offensive alignment coming in. These guys aren't five-star top 10 recruits in the country. They're guys that played at Stanford and they're guys that played at Arizona state. They're guys that have four stars in the portal and they're guys that a probably are leaving their programs like Stanford and Arizona state because they're looking around going, look, I'm, I'm pretty fucking good. And the team isn't. And while, you know, it's been great here. I kind of want to go at least have a chance to win something. And I'm not getting that done in Tempe or in Palo Alto. They've got guys who they have tape on. They have guys coming in who they know can play. And they've got one of, if not the best offensive line coach in the country in Sharon Moore. Miles Hinton, that's a massive pickup. Ladarius Henderson, four-star in the portal from ASU. Massive pickup. Drake Nugent, three-star in the portal, but .89 he's rated. That's pretty damn good. Interior offensive lineman. Those three guys, again, don't know who exactly is leaving for U of M on the line. And that is kind of the backbone of their team. We talked about it all year. Michigan's got some toys. JJ's been good. Harbaugh's been good. The reason Michigan's in the position that they're in is because they fucking dominate people up front. Their offensive line moves, guys. Blake Corum's unreal. Donovan Edwards, unreal. Their jobs are so much easier because they have an elite, the best offensive line in the country. They're bringing guys in that have played at the college level that are college bodies. There is no, fuck, you got to hit the weight room. There is no, you got to add 15 pounds. There's none of that. These are guys that are going to show up to Ann Arbor day one. And if need be, Jim Harbaugh will be able to plug them in 
and expect to see the same level of production. That makes me a little afraid because typically when you're an elite program and it's, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. You're reloading with a guy who's about to be a junior who maybe he was a four-star out of high school. He's had a couple years to sit, to lift weights, to train, to see how the offense works, all of that shit. But he, for the most part, is pretty unproven. He's never asked to be the starter at a big-time program. He's never been asked to, hey, man, we've had the best offensive line for the last two years in college football. That shit can't change. And now it's your turn. He's never been asked to do that. When you reload with these guys that haven't done much since their time in high school, even though for the most part, right, stars do mean a lot, four stars, five stars win national championships, they're still unproven to a point. You still don't exactly know what you're going to get out of those guys. When you reload with dudes who are already 20 years old, 21 years old, who were doing it in the Pac-12, who you've seen game tape at the Division One level getting it done, you can feel a lot better about the fact, you know, uh, they want to come here because Stanford stinks and they want to win. They dummied kids in the Pac-12. Yeah, it might be a little more difficult in the Big Ten, but I have no doubt they'll be able to do it here too. That makes me nervous. They got an edge from Coastal Carolina, Josiah Stewart. Kind of an underrated guy out of high school. Four-star in the portal. It's the next best position to get one. I mean, outside of quarterback, outside of the offensive line, you'd look at defense. What wins? What makes defenses great? I've talked about it the last few weeks with the Detroit Lions, if you've been paying attention. It's the defensive line. They're just adding another four-star guy on the defensive line and edge. That sucks that they just get to bring him in. That sucks that this guy's already a Division One athlete. That sucks he doesn't need the game weight. That sucks that he doesn't need to add strength. That sucks. He's just going to be able to play day one and probably improve or at least sustain the level of production Michigan's defensive line has given them the past two years. Just like their offensive line. The reason their defense that been able to do what they've done, been able to stifle Ohio State twice, good secondary. Yeah, Jesse Minter, he's the man. Or I think that's his name, right? The defensive coordinator. Dude, you, you have a sick front four. You have a sick defensive line. You get after the quarterback. You plug up the run without having to send too many guys from the secondary, from the linebacking group. That changes a fucking defense. And that's why I'm excited about Michigan State's, who we'll get to in a moment. But at U of M, they've got guys that they recruited out of high school. They've got four stars that have been waiting their turn on the roster. That, all right, they might reload, and I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but it's a little bit more of a question mark. Now to kind of just skip over them and go, well, we don't. We don't need to take a gamble when we know this kid from Coastal can play. Let's just bring him in. They've got Ernest Hossman, linebacker out of Nebraska. I believe the second-ranked player in the portal after Travis Hunter decided to hop over to Colorado. That's a big-time fucking ad. You're just adding the second-best player in the portal. Of all of the guys and how many fucking kids entered the portal this offseason, of all of those dudes, you've got the second-best one. Just coming into Michigan, he's going to play day one. He's going to probably not sustain, probably improve your defense. And it's the same deal. He was at Nebraska last year. He was getting snaps there, and he looked around and goes, this place is a fucking dumpster fire. I'll stay in the Big Ten. Let me go to another big-time program. The only difference is we might actually win something. That's scary. And then you've got, like I said, Jack Tuttle, more than serviceable backup. A.J. Barner, four-star tight end from Indiana, not the tight ends a position that necessarily changes the game. And that Colston Loveland, who's a freshman now, he's been a fucking baller for him. But just a little depth never hurts. And that 
let's get to MSU. Michigan, I understand people aren't the most elated with the high school class, which I, you know, that's fair. That's fair. You're probably used to better. You were in the college football playoff, back-to-back years. You're winning Big Tens. You probably hope for a little bit better than 16th, probably pushing top 15, top 12, maybe even top 10. So I understand. But I think you got to take that into perspective with the fact that you're bringing in an elite transfer class. Because those transfer guys are all going to be guys, maybe not all, maybe not Tuttle, maybe not the tight end, but those guys for the most part are all going to be expected to play day one. And they'll probably give you a little bit more than an 18-year-old four-star could. That's just the facts. That 18-year-old four-star, he hasn't seen people like he's going to see when you play Ohio State, when you play Penn State, when you play Michigan State. That 18-year-old four-star, he probably needs to add 10 pounds. That 18-year-old four-star, he probably needs to hit the weights. He was lifting in high school. That shit isn't the same as lifting in college. These guys you're getting, maybe they don't translate into the, oh, it's only 16th. Fine. Maybe they don't help the numbers out there. You're getting guys who have proven that they can do it at the Division One level, and they're going to come slot right in the U of M and play day one at, at big-time positions, at the offensive line, at the edge position, at the linebacker position. I think that if you're a Michigan fan and you're feeling a little bit down, the only thing you could possibly be feeling down about as a Michigan football fan right now, you're feeling a little down about the recruiting class. You got to look at the transfers and realize, fuck, that's that's some good work from Jim Harbaugh. For being a guy who was against it, a guy who hasn't really utilized it a ton. I mean, the center you guys got this year, Olu, Olu Watami, what I can't, I have no fucking clue what his name is. I just know there's a bunch of Olus in there. That guy was the number one center in the portal last year. This dude fucking changed your offensive line. That dude's been nothing but money. He wasn't the guy that's playing into the 16th in the country number. He wasn't a guy with a ton of hype out of high school. He's a guy that was at Virginia and was like, I want to go do something serious. And he was a massive player for Michigan all season long. So if you're feeling down, I think you got to lock in on the portal. All right, let's talk about State. Um, after a little bit of a panic button, maybe a little bit last week with people decommitting and we're sitting around going, we've got 12 guys in the class and signing days in a week. After a little bit of cold feet, I think that's fair to say from the fan base, Mel Tucker did a pretty good job rounding this out. 23rd overall in the country. He said today they still may not be done yet adding guys, so we'll see what that means. But 23rd overall in the country, which he'll take. Again, MSU fans need to realize a couple things. One, this is outside of the 2016 class that D'Antonio pulled in coming off our college football playoff appearance. This is the best recruiting class MSU's had since recruiting rankings came out outside of that 2016 class and half of them went to prison. This is the best class state has ever brought in. We went five and seven this year. It was extremely disappointing. We lost a lot of bad games. Not only did we lose, we lost a lot of bad games. We lost to all of our rivals. Guy went out and pulled in the second best class MSU's ever seen out of high school. That's fucking big time. We've got a facility. Remember that. We've got a massive football facility upgrade on the way. These guys haven't even seen that. Mel Tucker, he's been able to pitch fucking renderings of it. He's been able to talk about it. He hasn't been able to physically show anybody it yet. He hasn't been able to take kids on a tour of their brand new state-of-the-art football facility. He's been able to show them a fucking JPEG and said, hey, you know, if you come here, this will be here someday. We haven't even gotten to the point where he can walk kids through those halls, where he can show you, yeah, 
this is how we do it at MSU. We haven't even gotten there. We're coming off a five and seven season, missing a bowl game, fans losing their heads on Twitter. And he pulled in the 23rd overall class. That's some good fucking work, especially when, like I just said, we've only got 15 guys in this class. If there were 18, 20 guys, this class is easily, easily in the top 20. If we had 23 like Michigan, this class is probably rubbing up against theirs. This class is probably top to close to being top 15. That is good work. And yeah, it'd be nice to have a couple more bodies. It'd be nice to have 18 guys, 20 guys for sure. But there's something to be said for we're going to take quality, not necessarily quantity. Michigan State, we're not going to just hand out spots to guys because we need three more bodies. We're going to hand out spots to guys because we like your game and we think you can be a difference maker here. I like that. Now, this class is huge. This class needs to hit. Some of these kids, by Job, Diapape, Jordan Hall, Jalen Thompson, Stanton, Rammel, potentially Sam Leavitt, the quarterback, Kishon Blackstock, the JUCO transfer. A lot of these guys, we're going to need them to hit. Maybe not this year, potentially not even in 2024, but by 2025, this class is going to have to make some noise in the green and white, plain and simple. If Mel Tucker, if this thing's going to get off the ground and start going the way we want it to, this class is going to be absolutely imperative to that happening. And the other, the only other thing that a state fan might be looking at this going, well, I don't know. I think the class 2022, I think that class was ranked 25, something like that. Not too far off, 26th. Class of 2022 is 26th overall at signing day. Had 23 kids in it. You could look at this and go, well, it's another year. He's got to recruit in person, hosts kids for visits. We're only moving up three spots. Listen, we've got eight fewer guys, and he still moved up three spots. The caliber of player in this class is far better than anything MSU's ever seen. You look at the player average, we've never fucking sniffed what we're working with with these guys. And I don't know, some of them I think will have impacts as freshmen. I wouldn't be surprised if by Job is getting snaps as a freshman. He's a top 100 player. One of the most elite pass rushing kids coming out of high school. I wouldn't be surprised to see him getting some snaps. Jordan Hall, a linebacker, top 200 guy. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets some snaps. Stan Rammel, highest offensive lineman recruit we've had in years. Wouldn't be surprised if he's getting some snaps. Pulled him out of Tuscaloosa country, out of Alabama, Alabaster, Alabama. That's Nick Saban territory. Pulled him out of there. Went down to SEC country and got this kid. There are a few guys that, yeah, they might not be starters. They might not be leaned on super heavily to win football games next year, but they'll get a chance. They'll get some snaps. Someone's going to get injured. Someone's going to be sick. Someone won't be able to play. Whatever the case is, they just might be out of gas. They might need a fucking series off. Some of these guys are going to get an opportunity to play as a freshman, and we'll see what they're made of. Don't expect the world from them. Don't expect by Job in his first ever appearance to go out there and rack up 15 sacks. But we'll see what he can do. He's going to get the opportunity. So this, the high school kids MSU's bringing in, great, great foundation. And the last thing I'll say about the high school kids for State, I think I mentioned this a week or two ago, the beauty of this, despite it only being 15 guys, we've got guys at the two most critical areas of the game. And not only that, but the two weakest position groups MSU had to offer last year. We've got three of our top four players are high-end defensive line prospects. By Job, Andrew DePape, and Jalen Thompson 
all three of those guys, by the time they're juniors, should be fucking menaces. Like, if those three are all still at MSU, not nobody has any terrible injuries. They kind of progress as usual. Maybe they don't play a ton as freshmen. They play a little bit more as sophomores. Those three guys, by the time they're juniors, and I wouldn't be surprised if by Job's a day one guy as a sophomore, fuck, all three of them, I wouldn't be surprised. But by the time those kids are juniors, those three guys, our defensive line should be a scary sight. Our defensive line alone with those three and whoever else is around at the time should be able to elevate the defense. They're not going to be able to come in and do it as 18-year-olds. But a couple years from now, after a year or two of weightlifting, after they get used to the scheme, after they add some strength, those three guys should turn our defensive line into a problem. The quickest way to improve your defense is to improve that defensive line. And on the flip side, our offensive line. A lot of people talked about Jay Johnson. We got to get him out of here. It's fucking terrible. The play calling so bad. How's the offense this bad? Look, dude. I don't give a fuck who's calling plays for you. If you can't block people, offense is going to be impossible. I don't give a shit who you got blocking. And we address that. Stanton Rammel, four-star offensive tackle. Keyshawn Blackstock, the number one interior lineman in the transfer portal or in the out of the JUCO ranks. Four-star kid, interior offensive lineman. Cole Dellinger, four-star interior offensive lineman. We're adding three more four-stars to do the same thing. Maybe he'll get some looks. Maybe Ramel will get some looks at left tackle this year. You never know. But by the time he's a sophomore, by the time he's a junior, guys that should shore up that offensive line to the point where unless you're a Michigan, unless you're a Penn State, unless you're an Ohio State, we're going to do whatever we want to you. We laid the foundation for that with this class. And this Keyshawn Blackstock, he's going to play next year. He's going to be a day one guy for us next year. He's not 18. He doesn't need to add muscle. This guy's going to come in and play in East Lansing immediately next year. And then down the ranks, you got a couple projects. Jalen Smith, the wide receiver from Houston. Isaiah Johnson, wide out from Virginia. A couple guys where you read things and it's like, hey, they're underrated. He's a project. So we'll see. We'll see on those guys. But the other thing, much like Michigan, the other thing to feel great about is the transfer portal work. We got the kicker. We got a couple running backs. That's great. We'll see. Jaden Mangum's brother from USF, Jaron. We'll see how he does. Um, Nathan Carter, the tailback from UConn. We'll see what he's all about. A couple tight ends. But the same deal. We added critical, critical depth to the defensive line. Jared Jackson, 6'6", 308 in the middle. Dre Butler, 6'5", 280 defensive lineman. Tunis Adelaide, 6'4", 295. Top 40 player out of high school, four-star in the portal from AM. Number one defensive lineman in the portal. That, that is how you turn around the defense. Because like we just mentioned, those freshmen are going to all have a chance to be great. They might have a chance to be great as soon as their freshman year. But those three dudes and then the four-star transfer defensive lineman from Penn State, Ken Talley, those four guys – Jarrett Jackson, Dre Butler, Tunmi Zadale, and Ken Talley. Those four guys are all four guys that are going to have a real chance. They're going to be expected to compete for a starting spot on day one. And that's an upgrade. Our defensive line, we had Jacob Slade and then a bunch of bodies last year. Chris Bogle went out early. Jeff Petrowski went out early. 
it was Jacob Slade and then a couple guys just trying to figure it out. Jacob Slade went out, he got hurt, and that thing fell apart, the defensive line did. Now we've got a couple interior pieces that are nice. Simeon Barrow has been pretty good since he got to MSU. Derek Harmon has been pretty good. He's young. And uh, Alex Van Sumer, and he was a four-star coming in out of high school. He was a freshman this past year. He played a little bit, so we'll see if he can take a step. But they shored the fuck up out of our defensive line. And even if all four of these guys aren't the day one starters, the beauty of this is depth. So when Jacob Slade gets hurt next year, he's going to be gone. But Toon Meese, Adelaide, let's say he gets hurt this year. The next guy isn't someone who can't play. The next guy is Dre Butler, four-star, 6'5", 280, a guy who's done it, a guy who's been at the college level, a guy who will get as close as you possibly can to mirroring the talent level of Adelaide. That, that is why this means so much. The the starting four is going to get better, but the eight, the eight deep is going to improve drastically. One guy goes down, one guy needs a series off. You're not getting a break if you're the other team's offensive lineman. You're not getting, you're not able to take a playoff because the next guy coming in, he's a fucking savage too. He can plug up the run too. These guys are masses of humanity. These guys have size that MSU hasn't seen on their defensive line since Shalik Calhoun, Malik McDowell, and Lawrence Thomas. We've got an eight deep at the defensive line position. Adelaide, Tally, Dre Butler, Jarrett Jackson, Alex Van Sumeren, Simeon Barrow, Derek Harmon, Chris Bogle, assuming he returns. He was pretty good for the couple games he played before he got injured. And Jeff Petrowski, assuming he comes back. That's nine guys right there who are all at least sophomores who are all in playing shape or at least have playing bodies, right? They don't need weight room time. They don't need to bulk up. Those are guys that have played snaps before in other places or at MSU. And those are all guys that when they're healthy and when they're on and where when they're on the field, maybe they're not Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe they're not Chase Young, but they'll give you a pretty good fucking look. And that shit translate to pre- translates to practice too. Because now our offensive linemen, you're going against the twos. The twos aren't a freshman three-star recruit anymore. The twos are the 6'6", 300-pound dude who transferred in from Florida State. The twos are Alex Van Sumeren, four-star top 200 guy out of high school. Oh, and now he's a sophomore. The twos are Chris Bogle coming off the edge, top 70 kid out of high school transfer from Florida. The practice competition gets better, and iron sharpens iron. This defensive line class, especially especially what Mel did in the transfer portal, look – I don't know how next year is going to go. It's too early for me to sit here and say, we're winning eight games, we're back, whatever the case is. What I do know is this transfer portal class, forget the high schoolers. Those guys are going to have their time to shine. This transfer portal class is going to immediately make our defense better. If Scotty Hazleton is the same guy all year this year as he was last year, if the secondary is the exact same, if the linebacking core is the exact same, this transfer portal is going to improve our defense undoubtedly. The starting talent's going to get better. The depth is going to get far, far better. The practice reps are going to get far better. Jacoby Winman may be coming back. If all of that happens, all these guys come back, you're looking at nine, ten guys who are a fucking problem. You got two shifts of guys who can make plays who can stop the run, who can get after the quarterback. That makes Chuck Brantley's life a hell of a lot easier. That makes Kendall Brooks's life a hell of a lot easier. That makes Cal Halliday's life 
everybody, Scotty Hazleton, everybody's life a hell of a lot easier. So while we look, we were a little nervous a week ago, Mel Tucker, the crew, Brandon Jordan, everybody at state, all the recruiting Saeed Khalif, they did a pretty damn good job. They did a pretty damn good job and you got to feel good about it, especially, especially because in the high school ranks, this offensive line, and then the Juco transfer Blackstock, the offensive line is getting some much needed depth and talent. And the defensive line is getting some instant impact players as well as depth, as well as top tier talent. That is how you instantly transform a football team. Unless you find a Kenneth Walker, a generational running back, you better have a damn good offensive line and you better have a damn good defensive line. And when you have bad ones, you go into the transfer portal and you get four guys who are going to come in and drastically improve that on day one. That's what Mel Tucker did. All right, folks, that's all I got for you today. Um, I don't know. I know I said yesterday I would do the Christmas extravaganza, but it's already 11 here and I still need to get my laundry and pack and clean. So I don't know if I'll get around to that tonight. But if I don't talk to you before Christmas, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday, whatever you celebrate. Hope you get to spend some time with family and friends, eating, drinking, laughing, smiling. Enjoy it. And fucking hopefully we all get to celebrate a Detroit Lions victory on Christmas Eve. How about that, huh? Fuck the Panthers, dude. We're not going to lose to the God, Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. Get the fuck out of here. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'll talk to you next week.